there was a lot of people trying to run these teams, trying to do the job themselves, trying to figure out how it fits into their business model. And uh, we wanted to, you know, kind of consolidate that information and, and make it useful, valuable, actionable, and, and fulfill that need. Hello, and welcome to the Leaders of B2B podcast. On this show, we bring you interviews with leading executives at today's rapidly growing B2B tech companies. We dissect the stories, strategies, and journey of CEOs, COOs, CMOs, and more as they share their professional journey. Tune in each week for new episodes from today's leaders. This episode is brought to you by Content Allies. We help B2B tech companies build and run revenue-generating podcasts. We set you up with weekly interviews with your ideal prospects and strategic partners. You show up and have engaging conversations. We handle everything else. Learn more about launching your podcast at contentallies.com. This episode is brought to you by Ad One Zero, where we do lead to close sales execution for B2B services companies with a technology flair. If you're looking to scale your company from six figures to seven figures of revenue, talk to Ad One Zero. All right, David, thank you for coming on the show today. Super excited to have you here and uh, diving into your story a bit. But uh, for anyone who doesn't know who you are and what Tenbound is today, can you maybe give us the, the 60 to 90 second overview on who is David and what is Tenbound? Yeah, absolutely. So Tenbound is a research and advisory firm that focuses on the sales development space. And so when we talk about SDRs, BDRs, all the top of the funnel uh, type of stuff, that's really what we focus on. And and so to that end, you know, we run uh, research studies and uh, develop training and consulting programs and and put on events that really try to push that uh, industry forward. Awesome. I love that. And uh, if I saw on your LinkedIn, it looks like you're going on almost five years um, on this this business at this point. Is that correct? We have. Yes. Yeah. It's amazing how fast it goes by. It's it's absolutely flown by. But yeah, we're on year five here. <laughs> awesome. And uh, I guess that I'm, I'm intrigued to maybe to start to understand is like you mentioned you're doing research projects, kind of consulting, but I guess what is like the business look like today? Like, who are your customers or what are the kind of primary um, like services that are, are, I guess, ways that you're monetizing or running the business at this point? It's a long story that we can go into, but we, we really saw a need in the market for, you know, high quality information and advice on sales development. Um, and, you know, just over the past, you know, 10 plus years, there's been a trend in the software as a service industry where uh, once you have a pretty solid product and your marketing is up and running, um, you know, you need to go out and find customers and talk to as many people as possible. And uh, many of those companies, you know, started following the, the salesforce.com model, which was, you know, uh, dividing the sales team into sales development, account executives and, and customer success. And, uh, and, you know, there was a lot of people trying to run these teams, trying to do the job themselves, trying to, you know, figure out how it fits into their business model. And uh, we wanted to, you know, kind of consolidate that information and, and, uh, and make it useful, valuable, actionable, and, and fulfill that need. So that's sort of how we positioned ourselves and, you know, where we, you know, really focus on. Yes, I love that. And I, I imagine there's quite a need there because I, I come from my, uh, I run a company where we do outbound sales um, as well as one of my companies. And 
Um, I know there has just been a massive um, amount of misinformation in the space, I guess, to an extent. And our, maybe it's not even misinformation, but the information gets outdated quickly. Uh, and I, I think that was a big thing where I saw like whenever the rise of cold email or the first predictable revenue book came out and everything, uh, everyone jumped toward this, but I don't think what they were realizing was how quickly uh, sales development and outbound was just kind of changing uh, as an industry at a rapid space. And so I feel like that's probably made it for like a, almost a good thing for you guys in that sense of it's actually a lot more challenging, I think, than a lot of the books make it uh, make it out to be. Big time. I mean, you just hit it right on the head it, because it, it, it's it's seen as sort of an entry level, you know, grunt work type of position, and and it's it's basically the stuff that nobody else wants to do <laughs> on the, in the, in the sales or marketing team, and and if they are doing it, they want to get out of it as quickly as possible because it's hard, and and um, it's. Uh, you know, if you if you look at it from the angle that like it's entry level, it's an afterthought, like somebody else can deal with it, then uh, inevitably, you know, there's going to be challenges um, and, and it's not going to go as well as you need to. And so our point of view is like, hey, this is very important. It's very strategic. Um, it's a big part of your go to market um, effort. And uh, there's a lot of people spending a lot of time, energy, money, you know, Put, trying to put a, a good uh, program together, and um, you know, there's there's not a sort of consolidated place to get good information and advice and training and that type of thing. So, yeah, yeah, I love that. And and so I'm curious for you, what have you know over the past five years, or maybe what are some of the things that you've seen in terms of spinning up sales development team, or what are some of the best practices? that you are seeing, I guess, for companies these days, or maybe let's maybe start with the best practices. And I'm also curious, maybe like pitfalls to avoid. So, yeah, that's a good lead. And we just released an ebook on 10bound.com. That's the five biggest mistakes that people make with sales development programs. And uh, it's, so it's timely. You can grab that. Um, and we see the same thing over and over again. You know, people, um, one, one thing is the, the, it's kind of a hot potato. So people haven't really figured out who should run sales development at their company. Um, and so it's passed between marketing leadership and, and sales leadership. And, and, you know, after a while, if it starts to go off the rails, they pass it back and forth. And so, you know, thing number one is establishing strong leadership in the particular function right at the beginning. And, and, you know, you know, one of a recommendation to consider is getting someone right at the beginning of starting a sales development program that has a lot of experience, has done it before, um, can spend a little bit of time mapping out the process and, and getting everything set up uh, from a strategic perspective, and then starting to add, you know, people and tools and 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 processes to an initial uh, playbook. Uh, and and we're you know what most companies do is they'll decide that they want to do sales development, and so they'll just hire someone, you know. With little to no experience, and um, you know, give them a list and give them some tools and hope for the best, you know. And that's uh, <laughs> we see that all the time. Yeah, I totally see that. Yeah, people just go out and they just hire, yeah, like cheap, cheap entry level person. It's just like, oh, this is just grunt work. Just do this. And um, and I, and I think the things that I've especially learned from like being in the space as well is like it's it's hard to make it like to make like outbound sales work and. And, um, you know, it, 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 I will say even like some companies, I would say it's 
near impossible for like some offers, depending on where you're at, which is kind of a question I have for you is um, from the outbound stuff that we do, we see uh, we, we're almost like very picky with the customers we take on because there's some customers where it's like, hey, what you have is probably not a good fit for outbound. And I'm curious how you look at that whenever you're looking at customers or if someone's coming to you. Um, do you recommend outbound to everybody? Is there times where you say, hey, based on what you're doing, this is not a fit? Or how do you kind of typically think about that? Yeah, that, that's a really good point. You you do have to think of your life cycle or you know where you are in the market and, and figuring out, are you still in a stage, for example, where it's sort of an education period where you're so new, uh, people are, are are not familiar with the technology. They, they just need education and, and a longer term approach. And, and they wouldn't necessarily even know, you know, that, that taking a meeting with you is advantageous because they don't even know what you're talking about, right? Versus on the other end of the spectrum is you're in a, a high high competitive market, mature market, and you're, you're, you know, you, you need to get into the deal cycles as early as possible, you know, that would probably make more sense to do a traditional outbound motion. Uh, so, you know, you've hit it right on the head and you, you need to look at where you are, you know, in your go-to-market continuum and, and figure out if outbound is really even right for you at that time. Yeah, I love that. That's a, a great way to kind of think about it. And I think just something that I think a lot of people just want to just jump into it just because it's this thing, but it is deciding, is it the right thing for you at this point as well as the, the first question? Yeah. Um, and a lot of outbound uh, is, is uh, you know, a hypothesis followed by uh, experimentation, <laughs> you know, followed by, you know, uh, re- readouts on the, the results that you're getting and then making a new hypothesis and con- continuously uh, learning and, and, and managing that. And, uh, you know, we like to say a lot of sales development is really uh, being a good project manager from a, from a high level and making sure that you, when, you're, when you're hypothesizing, trying new messaging, getting feedback, reorganizing re, um, it, going back out again with a new hypothesis, it's just somebody's got to make sure that you're staying on track with that project from a high level. And so you can start to get those learnings and, and put them back in. What we see a lot of times is, you know, just get all excited. We all do it, right? You spin something up, you get all excited. Then you move on to your next thing that you have to work on. And um, you haven't checked in on what's going on with the sales development program for a couple of weeks. And you just kind of, you lost the momentum. Yeah, I can see that. It's it's something. It's one of those things where yeah, you I can totally see that you you get the momentum initially. You kind of send someone on their way, and then it's just like cool, like, that's done. And then like, oh, I gotta actually maintain this thing and adjust it and like re-strategize based off of that hypothesis or the info you get back. And that's a it is a job. I think in a lot of extent, I don't think people realize that. I think everyone wants it to be this just kind of launch it and then go get great calls yeah, on my schedule calendar. <laughs> go make a bunch of cold calls. And, and uh, no, it's, it's, it's much more in depth than that. And, and the other thing that we've seen, we, we did a market map, right? So we basically took every sales development related company that we could think of and, and put them onto one of those like 
mega graphics and and um, and started a directory of these companies. And what we've seen, the, the biggest growth on the market map over the last couple of years has been the outsourced industry, uh, you know, because people try to do this. They, they realize how hard it is. They're like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. So there's this insatiable demand for outsourced SDR services. And, um, you know, that that's created this entire industry and, and it, it totally makes sense. And, and so we see some companies, they just wash their hands, they go, forget it. I'm going to go outsourced. And then some of them do sort of a hybrid where they have an in internal program and they outsource to an agency and others just won't touch the outsource. So it's been interesting to see that, that model rise. Yeah. And I'm curious, maybe what, what have you seen in pitfalls around this? Cause again, like, as we're, it's cause I'll say it's interesting. Cause I guess we being one of like a lead cookie, the company, one of the companies I run being one of those outsource providers, I will say that the, I think our most successful campaigns and clients are the ones where they actually do have some hybrid of someone in-house who's owning the relationship. And I oh, don't yeah. think a lot of people do that, but it's it's such an interesting thing where like you have the, the people that just want to wash their hands, get me meetings, get me stuff there. But the ones who are like, hey, someone's dedicated, someone's going to be working with you like and like they are almost like a partner with us, like or a team member, and it may not be their full time, but at least a good chunk of their time dedicated. Um, those we tend to see much better results on. And I'm curious, is that kind of a trend or what, what do you see as outsourced, not outsourced, like how, success or how to make those kind of things work? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you hit it right on the head where if you're considering using a, a service like yours, Jake, there's got to be someone on the client side who's really going to own it and not necessarily just own the results of the project, but someone who's going to work really closely hand in hand with the outsourced agency, uh, meeting each week, adjusting the, the scripts, you know, looking at the data and, and working as a, as a partner in that relationship. Um, it, the, those, those have a chance of succeeding. <laughs> I just say a chance because you never know. But um, those have a much better chance of it, where, where we exactly, as you mentioned, where we see it, you know, not work is when it's just like, ugh, you know, I don't want to don't show me the sausage making, you know, just give me the hot dog. You know, like, <laughs> I don't even want to deal with any of this anymore. You do it. And the, so the outsourced agency is, is just, you know, spinning their wheels a lot because it, unless, you know, one, one thing that, that could help is if it's a very specialized outsourced agency, you know, if, if you're, if you're, you know, software, you can only sell your software to like dog kennels, you know, in the Pacific Northwest. And there's an outsource agency that all that they do is make cold calls to dog kennels in the Pacific Northwest. You can be a little bit more hands off. But if it's a generalized outsource agency and they, they need to learn your playbook, learn your scripts, you, you got to be on that project every week, week after week, or else it's it's not going to work. I love that. That's um, great feedback. And I think it's a good thing to hear. Um, you know, what, one of the things I'd say is, you know, whenever you say you get a few weeks or maybe a month into an outbound campaign and you're just not seeing results um, from your perspective, what are the things that you immediately look toward or what do you look at in terms of how to optimize that or what could be going wrong there? Yeah, I mean, so at a high level, um, you know, has there been, you know, how are we doing as far as targeting? 
are we going after the right ideal customer profile and the right persona, you know, within that, within that account list. And, you know, people tend to skip over that because it's a lot of work at the upfront. Nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to talk about it, but uh, you know, and there's a lot of tools nowadays that can help with that. But the main thing is, are are we fishing in the right pond, you know, um, to start or, you know, otherwise, otherwise there's, you know, that, that would be the first thing that I would, I would suggest looking at, you know, the next thing is, okay, so are we putting enough activity and, and um, reaching out enough and, you know, putting in enough raw calories to that, that list um, in order to, you know, break through because, you know, some of our research shows that there's only about a, less than 5% chance that you're going to be able to, um, you know, reach people, whether it's over the phone or even on, on email. Now the email rates are plummeting. So you've got to put in a tremendous amount of activity. And if it's not there, then you you just, you know, obviously not going to get the results. And then, you know, you could even drill down further. Now we need to look at the messaging. I mean, is it, you know, are, do we need to re, calibrate and put in a new hypothesis on the messaging um does is the messaging any good and, and uh you know so there's some things that you can do there to to test it but uh, as we're seeing you know if, if we were looking at that and we weren't getting results from it uh could be any of that the 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 other kind of dark horse that we've been talking about more is just deliverability um as far as emails um you know uh, there's tools out there that can tell you whether your emails are even reaching people um, or they're just going straight to spam or getting blocked. So those are a few things. Yeah. And I know the, yeah, the, the whole deliverability of email has just drastically shifted over the past three to four years where it used to be super easy. And now it's like the steps of ramping up a cold email account are just like brutal, uh, <laughs> like just technical things to jump through warming up of domains. Like it's become like, a significantly more complex challenge, I think, for companies to handle like at this point in time. Big time. Yeah. I mean, that's that's something that not a lot of people talk about, but it's something to look at because, um, you know, you, you want to send a personalized message, for example, on email, and you want to make sure that it's relevant to the sender. And, and, and SDRs can spend a lot of time, you know, researching and reading things and putting a bunch of effort into it. But if the email <laughs> never reaches the person... <laughs> It's kind of like if a tree falls in the wilderness, you know, nobody heard it. So you got to check and make sure that that's happening. Yeah, I love that. Well, I want to shift a bit here also to kind of another kind of angle with the, your story as well as what I found really interesting just kind of looking at your career path is, again, you were, um, from what I gathered, it sounds like you were working in kind of sales development at companies, uh, a variety of kind of corporate companies and like high level roles. And then you kind of jumped into this journey of really training, consulting, like holding uh, events and all of this, doing research. And I'm curious, I guess, how you went about that process of transitioning, I guess, from corporate to kind of going out on your own as this kind of high level trainer. Yeah, that's funny that you mentioned that because I, I definitely had been a wantrepreneur for a long time. So <laughs> I had been in the corporate world for so many years and I, I just my personality was one that I needed that security, you know, and, and um, I, but, but sort of longing from afar and especially in the last, you know, few years, it's been very hip to become an entrepreneur. Right. So um, kind of looking at that and being a wannabe for a long time. 
And then um, I had built up some skill in running um, SDR programs. And um, I, I had an opportunity where I was between things and, um, you know, going out on interviews and, and basically was just going to jump back into the corporate world. And I got an opportunity to do a consulting gig uh, with a friend of mine who, um, you know, was trying to figure out sales development. And literally, um, with a, a very supportive spouse and, um, you know, a lot of hard work, just kind of built it up from this, uh, this uh, consulting gig, um, started doing training, started, you know, working with companies on their SDR strategy. Um, we launched the media, you know, the conference and the podcast and all that stuff. And uh, here we are. That's awesome. And, and so I'm curious, you know, what does it look like for 10 bound look like at this point? Is it still you primarily? Do you have a team around you or other kind of kind of content producers or what, what does the company look like today? Yeah, it's interesting. I think it's a very 2021, you know, type of company where we have a core group of six people who do training and consulting, uh, you know, and, and the advisory services um, do the media and the, the, um, the social um, aspect of the marketing and then uh, doing the legal and, and HR type of stuff for the company. So it's a, it's a core group. Um, but then there's, I don't know how many, you know, folks who are independent and freelance and come in and out based on the projects that we're working on, which has been amazing, you know, um, in almost like having a on-demand you know, company and a, a whole new world that I, I had no idea existed. Yeah, I love that. That's um, yeah. awesome to hear. Congrats on the, the growth over those uh, those first few years. It's uh, always great to hear, especially when you have the I guess, first time success story going from the entrepreneur to the entrepreneur and making it work. So great work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been good. I mean, God, there's a lot of, uh, you know, it, it going from 20 years in the corporate world to um, entrepreneurship. I mean, you, you just... Uh, it's a completely different experience and it's been super interesting and challenging and, and uh, it's been amazing. So, yeah. What has been the hardest part of making that shift for you? I, I you know, it's, it's interesting. I would say that, uh, you know, prioritization is, is, is a, a big challenge um, in that, uh, you know, if you go from being kind of told what to do and having your goals prioritized. And I mean, it starts when you're in school, right? And you, <laughs> you've got everything kind of, you're told what to do. You're all prioritized. You go all the way through. Then you enter the corporate world and somebody else is, is making a lot of those decisions at a macro level. And then all of a sudden it's up to you. And, and so you, you, you've got to be able to um, you know, figure out what's most impactful, you know, for the business and what's going to keep your business alive and stuff like that. But then also it's like, what, what makes you excited, you know, as an entrepreneur to be able to get up every day and face the challenges. So uh, that, that's been, prioritization has been a, a big challenge and it still is. So. Yeah, no, I get that. That's uh, I, I struggle with that, and I have always struggled with it. Uh, and I think it's something every entrepreneur always does struggle, especially like it's why they call it shiny object syndrome. Uh, literally, I was talking to my business advisor, and my entire call last week was like, "I have so many marketing ideas, and I want to do them all now." And it's yes. like you can't. <laughs> so I know, I know, and and it's just like you know, ten or twenty years ago, like the the opportunities that we have today uh, weren't even 
existent at that time. And, and so there's just, it's, it's, it's almost like, uh, I, I think somebody called it like entrepreneurial digestion, like you, uh, indigestion, sorry, <laughs> indigestion. Um, you know, there's so many things, there's so many cool things, there's so many opportunities, there's so many cool people, there's so much stuff that you want to do. And, um, you know, but you got to really laser in on like the two or three things that's going to make the biggest impact on your business every day. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, awesome. Well, I'm curious, you know, from, as we kind of look, uh, we kind of talked about what you're doing a lot with outbound. What do you see is being the future of, of outbound and sales development and everything? Cause this is an area I've always found really interesting, especially just seeing, Things like cold email deliverability rates get disrupted. LinkedIn outreach has been heavily disrupted over the past year. These channels get saturated as well and become less effective at times. And so like, what do you see as like the future of outbound? Yeah, it's a really good question. So I, I would just look at it, you know, from a macro level. It's just that any any process, any sort of repeatable process that that um, is a one or a zero, will eventually be sort of wrung out of the job. Um, and and so, in other words, if a machine can do it, and they can do it to the level or even better now than a human, then you know people are going to start to. Uh, gravitate toward those machine solutions uh, to try to figure this out versus hiring someone. Um, and so, where does that leave us? You know, as as human beings in the in the in the equation, is the value that we can bring is the relationships that we build, the personalization, you know, that you can put into messaging, the the creativity, you know, that that the machines have not caught up to yet. And um, and really bring in like a unique perspective to the to to the outbound, and um, you know that's where we can shine and we can add value, and so you know for all, everything else will eventually, you know, be replaced by AI and machine learning and all those fancy terms. But but those those characteristics, I don't see those being replaced. You know, within my lifetime, or <laughs> you know, I don't know how long that is, but we can still bring that uh, to the table, which is, which is exciting, you know? Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on these like, kind of like these promise. I see, I hear, see some companies like this promise of like AI sales messaging and like optimizing based off of this. And I'm kind of like, is that like legit? Or are you guys just throwing buzzwords in there? Because like, you know, there. I know there's been, you know, there've been tools like Mailshake, Persist IQ, and like all these tools like this that have done mail merging for quite a period of time. And I think like what we, what I've seen at least is like the blast out the same script to everybody with a few mail merges in there. Um, the, you know, it's kind of like the law of shitty click-through rates um, at article or whatever, where it's like, it just became less effective over time. And so I guess like what I'm getting at is like, I think the mass blasting of messaging is getting less effective. There's, as you said, the personalization that we can always offer as humans. Um, but I guess I'm curious your thoughts on these promises that you're seeing of like AI focused outbound companies that will like optimize your message and like do all of this for you. Have you seen anything actually like legitimate in this space or is it all just kind of smoke and mirrors? Yeah, you know, um, it, 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 there's definitely been advances in the area um, and it's it's still needs a human operator and 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 that's that's the that's the um 
you know, good news for anybody who's listening to this is not a machine that they're not quite there to the point where you can just like press a button and get a bunch of outbound, you know, meetings set up. Um, you still need somebody to, to add the, the creativity and sort of the last mile. And, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of advancements and, and um, you know, ways to speed things up and make things more efficient and things like that. But we're, we're not quite from what I've seen to the point where, you know, you just plug in some data and press a button and wake up the next day and you got a bunch of meetings on your calendar. Um, so, yeah. So I haven't dove into any of these tools. I've seen tools obviously that have AB testing and then you kind of use a human choose if you want to like turn off a variable, but um, are these new tools kind of just giving you like a variety of, it's almost like taking that to another level where it automatically tries to make choices for you and everything like that, or um, any of these tools that you can maybe share that you've seen that are kind of cutting edge in the way? Yeah, I mean, so so the, we kind of bucket them on on the market map on on the ten bound market map by the different functions, and we we only let companies put themselves into three because <laughs> everybody wants to do everything. We are our own category. <laughs> yes, I, everybody, literally everybody. Like, I get like a couple of those a week. Like, well, we don't fit into any of these. But um, now, the reason I bring that up is um, there 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 definitely are some some new technologies that are making a big impact. And, and one, I mean, if you watched the Super Bowl recently, I don't know when this is gonna go out, but um, you know, um, uh, there's conversational intelligence, which has been really interesting. Um, and not, not as much in the SDR world, but just generally for sales, because it, 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 it um, plugs into your, your phone call or your Zoom meeting, and we'll take out the conversation and really give you some actionable data to be able to change your sales pitch or to say one thing or not the other and things like that. So I would definitely watch the conversational intelligence space because um, if you think about it, like, especially for sales on pipeline meetings, you would say, how did the meeting go? And the sales rep was like, great, you know, said all the right things and it was awesome. But now you can actually get a a data-driven report that says maybe something otherwise and you need to change it up. So we've been definitely watching that space. You know, the other one that's made a big impact in, in sales development has been just the whole, you know, calendar movement and, and the calendar, you know, AI is getting a lot stronger to help people to arrange and organize meetings and, and get meetings booked on the schedule, which is the whole point of everything, you know, that we're doing to try to drive for those meetings. So I there's some great companies, you know, we tr- we always try to remain neutral, like <laughs> definitely check that, out yeah. that, that quadrant for calendar intelligence. Nice. I love that. Awesome. Well, as we um, kind of wrap up here, uh, one of the last questions I always like to ask is if you were able to go back, say 10 years um, earlier on in your journey, you know, what advice would you give to your younger self? Um, wow. Uh, I, that, that would be awesome. Um, I would say start sooner and, and go all in, you know, I, I think that um, I had been, you know, a sort of a deep down inside an entrepreneur, um, my whole life, but it was just kind of fear, um, and not the right timing, you know, holding me back. And finally I had an opportunity and I took it and I was like kicking myself that, man, you know, I should have just right out of the gate, um, started and, and, um, and now I'd, I'd have 20 years of entrepreneurial experience under my belt instead of five, you know? And so that's what I would say, you know, if you're, if you're into this and you want to give it a go, then just, just do it, 
it's it's kind of a freelance nation anyway. So in my day, like if you had a big hole in your resume and you tried to go back into the corporate world, like they would look at you funny. But now it's like people know, you know, you, you do side hustles and different things. So, you know, I would say if you're if you're into it, there's a lot of resources. Listen to this show and just go do it. <laughs> nice. I love that. And I always do find it interesting, though, when I hear someone like yourself come from corporate because it's like. Um, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 19 and I feel like you have to like scrape your way up from the bottom and like prove yourself first. When you come out of corporate, it's like, you're legitimate, like right out of the gate because of all these positions you've held. And so there's like yeah. almost this like credibility versus like being some young kid who's never had a job. So it's, it's always interesting seeing different people's journeys. And I think there's, there's pros and cons to every path of it, but I, I like that approach. It's a really good point. I mean, I, I, I'm not, you know, I, I was very active in the sales development community, you know, even when I was in corporate. Um, and, and so I knew a bunch of people and, you know, I could, I could at least tell them what we were doing. And if you know of anybody like, Hey, throw them my way and, and we'll, we'll talk to them and stuff like that. So that's a really good point. Um, and I think it, it would be harder. Like if you just didn't have any connections, you knew no one and you were just like, okay, I'm going to do this. So, um, yeah, a hundred percent. Nice. Love it. Well, um, as we wrap up here, if anyone wants to go find out more, I know you guys have a ton of content, a ton of amazing resources online. Uh, what's the best place to go find out more about you and uh, 10 bound online? Yeah, definitely. So it's um, T-E-N-B-O-U-N-D.com, 10bound.com. And um, one thing that we're excited about, we've got uh, virtual conferences. We used to do them every year in San Francisco, and uh, we all know how that went. Um, and so this year we're doing virtual conferences. So, you know, same great content, same, you know, structure. And it's, it's, it's definitely the place to go if you're interested in this topic. So, Tenbound.com. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, thank you for coming on here, David. I appreciate coming on the show. This was phenomenal. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I, I really enjoyed it and we'll do it again soon. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show. You can see the show notes and more links from today's episode at leadersofb2b.com.